Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fast Lane on 101 ESPN alongside Jamie Rivers. Brad Thompson here with you, and we continue our Cardinal baseball in general conversations. We head to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. We bring in ESPN.com's own Jesse Rogers. Jesse covers the White Sox, the Cubs, everything Major League Baseball that's coming out of ESPN. Uh, Jesse Rogers is all over it. Jesse, how you doing today, man? Doing good, doing good. Looking forward to spring training. Uh, the calendar has turned to February, so pitchers and catchers are around the corner. Good to talk to you guys. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And you know how it is here in St. Louis. Everybody's geeked up about it all off season long. And now that uh, everybody's getting their plans uh, to go to Jupiter, Florida, and watch some spring training, everybody's ready to talk some baseball. Jesse, I don't think that we've had the opportunity to talk to you since the Cardinals did go out. Their big, really lone free agent acquisition this offseason was bringing in Wilson Contreras. You know Wilson. You've covered him for years. What are Cardinal fans, what should the Cardinal fans expect out of Wilson Contreras? Well, he's, he's an emotional player. You're going to see him sort of ride that wave and most of the time that benefits him right but once in a while an emotional player can can sort of get himself into some trouble I think that that happened earlier in his career more than now he get in trouble with umpires sometimes even teammates I'm sure as Cardinal fans you guys didn't always like his act but when he's on your team you kind of enjoy it but we're separate from that you're going to get a a good bat behind the plate a position where you don't normally get it now you can't play him 150 games squatting behind the plate. I mean, nobody does that anymore. So you got to rotate him in and out of catcher and uh, DH and give him some days off. But he'll be a solid addition offensively. And the thing is, you don't need him to be the big leader that Yachty was. You have leaders in that locker room. I think one reason the Cubs kind of moved on is they weren't sure if he could lead sort of a young team out of a rebuild, a mini mini rebuild that they're going that they're going through. The, the Cardinals don't need him to be that guy. And I suppose sometimes if you're sort of volatile in terms of that kind of emotion, that maybe that doesn't lend itself to the, to the true leadership. Now, I, I'm actually a, a Contreras guy. I think the, the Cubs saw more warts in his game that, that, than there were. I think he's matured over the years. So I wasn't quite sure why they, they were so quick to move on. And I think it says a lot that he didn't just kind of sneak away to the Marlins on some undervalued deal. He went to a very good organization. So um, I mentioned this on my own radio station last night. I'll say this. If you're into the betting thing, take the over on the prop bets when it comes to Wilson Contreras playing against the Cubs this year because <laughs> I think this guy's going to have a chip. The Cubs said goodbye to him. 
and a great organization like St. Louis as a low. But you, you'll like him, and you, you'll like the emotion. Who doesn't like emotion? But you'll definitely like the right-handed power he, he has from a position you don't normally get it at. Hey, I, I guess it doesn't matter at this point, but with all the turnover that the Cubs have had over the last few years, why didn't they trade Contreras at the deadline? They just didn't like what they heard back. Uh, Houston kind of balked. You, you heard about that story yep. after the World Series that came out. Um, you know, Jed doesn't think he was asking for a huge return. Others would just, but I'll tell you, I, I know that the Cubs were interested in a player, a pitcher for the Rays, who was um, recovering from Tommy John surgery, and the Rays wouldn't give him up. So there was kind of a disconnect about the value. I mean, it, it is a tough call when it comes to catchers midseason, right? You don't see a lot of first stringers get traded. You see some backups for depth and all that. You know, you need a guy in September, even in October, you trade for a third string kind of guy. But first string guys learning a new pitching staff, it's a difficult thing. I mean, are you trading for a DH or are you trading for a first string catcher? And I'm sure Jed was asking for first string catcher type returns. But I know that um, teams weren't giving up a a lot for him, maybe because they weren't sure how they were going to use him. So that's basically why he wasn't traded. Jesse, uh, here in Cardinal Nation, you know, the fan base and all of us, quite honestly, we're always watching what the other teams in the Central Division are doing, specifically in the offseason and at the trade deadline. The Cubs had themselves a pretty good offseason. The Cardinals, we just talked about acquiring Contreras, but... For you, being in in a different market and you look in at the St. Louis Cardinals, do you feel like the Cardinals have done enough to be the division favorite? Yes, to that question. If you want to advance it, though, and say and ask, did did they do enough to jump into uh, those elite teams? I count seven elite teams in baseball. We're in an era where there's some really good teams, including the Cardinals, and then there's some really bad teams. Like, there's a huge divide. And then above the Cardinals, I, I think there's about seven elite teams. I, I would say the three NL East teams are among them. Houston, the Yankees, the Dodgers, and Padres. That's kind of my elite group. And then those other five that made the playoffs last year, including the Cardinals, are kind of the next tier down. But that's just me talking. I don't, I don't I, you know. But in terms of the division, I think they're okay. I think they're okay. The Cubs are probably a year or two away from really showing off a 90-win-plus season. Uh, Milwaukee kind of treads water because they don't spend, but it's really about October more than it is getting there. Right. A lot of ways. If you're a Cardinal fan, you're thinking world series championships. I'm not sure that they're better than the Phillies, the Braves, the Mets, the Dodgers, the Yankees, you know, those teams that were better than them last year, but they are good enough for this division. In my opinion, Jesse, I'm interested in what you talk about the, the Cubs being a year or so away and big additions this year. Dansby Swanson is the one that everybody looks at, but you bring in Bellinger. It could be a great reclamation product uh, uh, project, especially uh, in that ballpark. Trey Mancini, a veteran, Jameson Tyone ends up shoring up some things in the rotation. What is the next step for the Cubs? Is it waiting for some young players to graduate and take that next step? Or is it another big dive into free agency for them? No, it's the first thing you said. That's really, that's really been the plan Jed has had since he broke up the, the, the last group with Rizzo and those guys. It's really been to, to sort of um, tread water until the next group is ready. I, I mentioned this the other day to a show that um, – the day you knew exactly what the Cubs were up to, it came in, uh, now I'm forgetting the date, but it was uh, December of 20. December of 20 is when this team 
traded you Darvish. Now, it wasn't just that they traded you Darvish. It's who they got back for him. It wasn't two AAA major league ready players that were going to help them, you know, right away. It was four teenagers that haven't even sniffed AAA yet. And that was back in 20. So you knew this was going to be a longer term thing when they traded a pitcher at his peak for four guys. I think it was 16, 17, 17, and maybe, maybe a 20 year old. It was guys far from being major league ready. And so, with those four, you know, sort of making their way through the system, all the, the guys they traded for Baez, Rizzo, Bryant, making their way through the system, that's really where the peak contention of this group is going to look like. That's why Bellinger's one year. Mancini basically one, maybe two years. You know, there's options involved there. Um, Hosmer, one year. You know, it, they're place fillers. But if they all show, you know, previous form, all of a sudden this is an 80-plus win team. That's the problem with predicting the Cubs. I mean, we just don't know about these projects in, in Bellinger and in Hosmer even, even Mancini. You know, all those three guys I just mentioned, who knows? They've had good years. They've also had bad years. Um, so their peak contention is really a few years away when those minor league players are ready. Jesse, do you think that what we're going to see in this division, and look, this is not uh, the NL East for sure when, when you're looking at it, uh, the the Pirates and the Reds both lost 100 games last year. They both have exciting young prospects, and you just mentioned some of the young prospects, the exciting prospects that the Cubs have as well. Are we going to see a time in the next handful of years where this could potentially be a competitive division top to bottom, or are we just going to continue to have the bottom feeders? Yeah, I mean, you can never say never. I, I do think Pittsburgh has gathered up a bunch of good prospects. I mean, eventually, teams like the Pirates and Reds will have a little bit of a run, right? The problem with the teams that don't spend, including Milwaukee, is those runs are short-lived, and then they have to start over again. The Pirates are a great example, right? Last, early last decade, they were pretty good. I mean, all the way through 2015, they've been perennially rebuilding since then. Milwaukee's been really good for an extended period of time because I think David Stearns, made the most of the money he could spend there. Now, he's kind of moving on. We'll see how long Milwaukee can last as Woodruff and Burns get a little bit more expensive. But they may have to have a retool. So, you know, it's almost about timing. There might be a point where four of the five teams kind of all are sort of peaking through rebuilds because that's what we're seeing. Um, other than St. Louis, they never rebuild. But I can't tell you for sure we're going to see top to bottom a competitive division anytime soon. Jesse, you mentioned heading down to spring training soon. Everybody's getting ready. Uh, baseball has got a chance to look a little bit different this year. We got a new set of rules. You got the pitch timer, limited shifts, bigger bases. How much different, Jesse, do you think this game is going to look? How much faster do you think it, it will play? Or, or maybe do you feel like it'll be much of the same? No, I think it's going to look dramatically different at first, and I think we will all get used to it Used to it in, in short order. I'm writing about this again at ESPN.com. It's kind of what my thing you know, nationally to write about is these rule changes. I'm fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by how players will adjust. And um, all the evidence in the minors are uh, two or threefold. One, they adjust pretty quickly. The violations go down pretty quickly. Fans get used to it pretty quickly. It's all, and this is why in spring training, guys, there are, it's the beauty of our sport that there's 30 plus spring training games to enact new rules. There's going to be no grace period. There's going to be no warnings. They are, the umpires are going to, uh, the letter of the law right off the bat because the league feels the quicker they do that, the quicker they enforce these rules, the quicker everybody will get used to them. And their hope is 
you know, by April 1st, it's, it's not looking all that bad and the game flows and everything else. I think high leverage veteran relievers are still going to have some issues into the season, but eventually everybody will get used to it. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how spring training goes down because there are no warnings. It's, it's go. The, the one area, and it won't matter much in spring training, is, is that, that umpires will have some discretion is weather. When we get deep into the summer and there's a pitcher that's just dying out there, even a hitter that's you know, fouled off 10 pitches, I think umpires are going to give some leeway in terms of that pitch timer when, when weather impacts you know, what's going on. And I'm talking usually right 100-degree type of weather. Other than that, it's full-blown rules on, and, and we're going to see it from day one. And I'm interested to see how quickly these players adjust. He's Jesse Rogers. You can read all of his work at ESPN.com. And you can follow him on Twitter at Jesse Rogers ESPN. Jesse, we appreciate your time today, and hopefully we'll see you in spring training. You got it. I'll be down in Jupiter, I think, right about February 20th when full squads report. So looking forward to it. Talk right to on. I will see you down there. Jesse, thank you again. You got it.